Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. I'm not interested in talking about Mitch. People are going to be buying it for that. Nothing against you, but that sh- sells books. But whatever it is, this gives you the opportunity to go in there and respond without looking like you're responding. To defend yourself. Jesus! What am I defending myself about that I didn't already admit on national television? Alex, all I'm saying is if there is any history with Mitch, any personal history, this is your chance to put your own narrative on it. Well, there isn't. I'll go back and look at the manuscript and see if I can dig up any salacious bits about Mitch. Keep the uh, sharks fed. Just think about what I'm saying, all right? You'll get there. Yeah, all right, Bell. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Mitch. That's uh, The Morning Show. New episodes of season two uh, every Friday. Dropping every Friday on Apple TV+. Plus. James Dempsey joins us uh, once again. Afternoon, James. Good afternoon. Uh, now, The Morning Show was, I suppose, one of their, uh, one of their bigger hits. Hit, um, um, yeah, well, look, it certainly was their their prestige jewel in the crown, right? Mm. So this idea, I think, I think I read that uh, Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon, who are the two main stars, get two million dollars per episode, and that's only their acting fee because they're also the executive producers, so they're probably net, netting even more than that. Sweet. And uh, the thing about it is, it is a big glossy prestige drama. That I don't think anybody likes, right? <laughs> I, and I don't think anybody necessarily hates it vitriolically either. It is just sort of the epitome of its grand. And when it started, when it debuted in 2019, um, so it, it also stars Steve Carell and it's about the this fictional morning TV show like Good Morning America, whatever, one mm. of these breakfast morning TV shows on a US network. Uh he was uh, he was playing Steve Carell was playing Matt, a Matt Lauer type journalist who was exposed as being involved in a sort of in a Me Too movement issue. Right. And the whole of the first season is about you know how do we solve the you know how do how do we rebuild the brand of the show when our hosts may or may have known what they knew or what did they know or or what is the culture of this entire network in covering these things up etc. And. Certainly, it, it was. Uh, it, it was, you know. I guess the Me Too movement was 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 a ripe thing to be making drama about because it was such a cultural, you know, cornerstone of, I guess, twenty eighteen, twenty nineteen. Mm. And now we come back to this season, season two. The first season came about ten episodes, not particularly fondly received by by most people. Certainly not until the the second half or the, certainly the last third, in which things are much more stark and interesting and, and better plotted. But across the board, the problem with the show was it was sork and light, right? It's, you know, a lot of people walking around mm. uh, corridors and lots of like journalists saying how much they love journalism with a capital J and how important journalism is. <laughs> oh God, yeah. And certainly... This is, so, this is a bit like the newsroom. Oh, 100%, yeah. And the problem is not that journalism isn't important. It certainly is. It's just the public, the viewing public and me in particular don't like to be told by mm. millionaires yeah. <laughs> by TV millionaires how important their job is the other thing is it's a bit it, it, it skewers a bit odd right you have Reese Witherspoon playing this sort of like upstart hard hard nosed door stopping journalist named Bradley who gets a job presenting 
Good Morning America or The Morning Show mm. which is the puffiest puff piece show mm. imaginable I mean in the first episode of season two uh, well where we left it at the end of season one is Alex who's played by Jennifer Aniston makes this huge declaration live on air and is pulled off the airwaves and where we move to in season two uh, she's she has left the show and has been replaced by um, the comedian Hassan Minaj who's playing a version of himself Eric or well a TV presenter anyway mm. and we open with Bradley who we are who we are led to have been believe who who we who we have been led to be believe is this hard nosed, tough as nails, get the question journalist, doing a song and dance number about New Year's Eve, right, and then complaining about how oh I want to be a journalist. Well, then be a journalist. You yeah. know, no one is asking you to do this job. It doesn't quite make sense. However. The show is so glossy and well put together. It, it doesn't fail. It really is. It's it's perfectly good enough television. It's just that when Apple launched, this was its house of cards, which mm. I mean, OK, in the history passage of time hasn't <laughs> gone great either. But, yes. but when House of Cards launched with Netflix, it was a big deal. It was a show people talked about. It is a show that people binged. And nobody, I think, is, I mean, I don't think in the cultural zeitgeist really anyone is talking about the newsroom. It just doesn't have that kind of potency. Yeah, it's funny you called it, uh, you called it the newsroom. Oh, there. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that tells you perhaps all you need to know yeah, uh, uh, really about it. And in terms of the, like, I suppose concentrating on a kind of a Me Too thing around uh, uh, TV breakfast presenters is bordering on documentary True. there. Uh, but, but on, so for season two, are they going with the same thing? I assume you can't tell us what the big reveal was at the end of season one. I, I don't think I, I, yeah. I can't tell you without go, giving a big spoiler away, yeah, certainly. Yeah, so yeah. I'm not going to. What I will say is an odd thing about season one was it had Steve Carell as this Me Too, this Me Too character but he was portrayed quite sympathetically, which a lot of people, you know, found quite distasteful that they, you know, presented him as this very fleshed out character with 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 lots of charm but also a very dark side to him and when they finally reveal the true extent of his dark side it is quite powerful drama mm. I do know Steve Carell is coming back in season 2 I don't know quite yet in what form because he wasn't in the first episode what is perhaps an unwelcome development in season 2 is it has time jumped to New Year's Eve 2019 to January 1st, 2020. And you have in the background, you know, mentions of some flu in in China and people coughing and touching things and putting them back down. And even then there's this big flyby sequence where they're flying through the empty streets of New York during the pandemic. And frankly, I just don't know if we are at a point yet where any show can handle the sort of emotional heft of reliving the early days of the pandemic as we are beginning to sort of really come out of it now. But certainly this is not the show that, that, <laughs> that can handle the dramatic heft of that with any sort of grace or humour or aplomb or drama because this is loud people, you know, talking about how important their jobs are while storming down the hallway and and how, you know, you know this... Like, there's a character played by Billy Crudup who's this sort of... I can't quite tell if he's supposed to be oily or or charming TV producer who is talking about how you know you know this is this is this the nature of our very souls is at stake here and I'm sort of thinking well also there's 32 uh, glimpses of Apple products in every single episode as well <laughs> so I don't think we we're quite plumbing the depths of the soul just yet. Uh, yeah, I think Grey's Anatomy uh, made uh, much play of of the pandemic as well, mostly <laughs> by keeping your woman grey in a true. coma. I heard for, that's uh, true for most of it. Um, but they're 15 seasons in. They're 15 seasons. <laughs> Yeah, so they had, no, but actually, but actually, on that subject, because I watched it the other night, because 
I was on all four, was this thing Help that was on uh, Channel 4. Oh, yes, with Jodie Comer. With Jodie Comer, which was extraordinary. Okay. It really was extraordinary. There's a whole sequence where she's working in a care home and they can't get anybody else to help her. So she's by herself in this care home. Right. Lo- literally looking after people who are dying. Okay. But that, that is far more affecting than yeah. journalists talking about oh, the yeah. news. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And especially, you know, the, the, you know, you know, I love when they have the writing at the end. Uh, and, and, and the writing at the end of that gave a few figures about how much PPE okay. care homes got and how much people who work in care homes get paid. Okay. Uh, which was... Uh, Quite extraordinary. Right, we'll move on to our second show of the day. It is Young Rock streaming on demand on Sky Comedy and Now TV. Here's a clip. Tomas? Why'd you say your name was Tomas? Because it sounds way cooler than Dwayne. Look, new school, new name. And now that I look rich, I'm finally getting attention from girls. Like Karen from Algebra. Big hair Karen? Fine-ass Karen. The one who front knots her PE shirt. Oh. Anyway, best part is... Karen invited me to a party tonight. So life is good, huh? It is. Well, it's not gonna last. Fine, ask Karen aside, the reason why these girls haven't been giving you the time of day isn't because you look poor. It's because you look like an undercover cop. Like Johnny Depp from 21 Jump Street. No one thinks that. Dwayne, everyone thinks that. He's looking at me. He's a cop, like Johnny Depp. I'm 15! Okay, that's uh, Young Rock. Is there any aspect to The Rock's life that uh, hasn't been mined at this point? (laughs) I guess the future, and even they do that in it as well, right? (laughs) Because... This is a like a, a tripartite family sitcom which covers The Rock, I think, as a 10-year-old, a 15-year-old and an 18 to 20-year-old. But each of those sections is intercut with uh, the future Rock from, I think, 2032, where he's running for president. And he's giving this interview <laughs> to... Rock. He hasn't ruled that out <laughs> either. And, you know, I when I was watching this, like, I mean, I'm not the biggest Rock stan out there, but... He has this magnetic charm. He does, Otherwise, yeah, he wouldn't yeah. be he wouldn't be the biggest actor in the world, which he probably mm. is across the you know the Fast and Furious franchise. And now he's like a tentpole man for Disney, and he's got this amongst other projects lined up. So I wouldn't put it past him at some point because look, if Arnie did it, he mm. could do it, and he's significantly got way more charm than Arnold Schwarzenegger, who must have loads of charm as well. Otherwise, his life wouldn't have yeah. gone as it it had gone. But this is a like a, a very um, straightforward family kind of sitcom. And when I say that, uh, I don't mean any damning to it. Like there are times on a Sunday evening where you want to watch a family kind of sitcom and sure. this is it. Yeah. It comes from Nanachka Khan, who um, made Fresh Off the Boat uh, and Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, which I think has gone off Netflix now and is much maligned, this cancelled too soon show. But she also wrote on Malcolm in the Middle and various other shows. And her link to um to The Rock is a bit odd, but her brother is actually currently the executive producer of WWE. So she comes from a wrestling kind of family, even in in and of herself. And she uh, and she approached him along with NBC to potentially consider turning his life into a show. And they had this great conversation about what they might do. He said he was ba- basically he would he would sit down and he would drink some tequila and then he would reminisce and record these long stream of consciousness messages in which he would just tell her about different anecdotes from her life. And they thought maybe they might try animating it or they might try even just using him as a background figure in all of these scenes. But ultimately what they've done is they've cast three different actors to play him at these three different Mm. sections. And the first episode introduces all three of those. But in the subsequent nine or ten, I think there's eleven, they sort of tend to focus on one or two only in each episode. And it's really just about 
The Rock's life. So Dwayne Johnson's life. You meet him as a 10 year old in Hawaii, which is really having its like TV moment this year because between it and The White Lotus yeah. and Disney now has Doogie Kale Ka- Ka- Aloha, which is a remake of Doogie Hauser about a Hawaiian doctor, 15 year old, 16 year old doctor as well. So uh, you find him as a 10 year old in Hawaii and then a 15 year old when they've moved to Pennsylvania, I think. And then as an 18 year old when he moves to the University of Florida as a fo- on a football scholarship. And it's about his interactions with his uh, with his father, really. Rocky, uh, J- Rocky Johnson is his father, who was a wrestler in his heyday and like a big name wrestler. So like in when you meet him as a 10 year old, he's also hanging around with Andre the Giant and other like like Roddy Rowdy Piper, all these right, wrestlers, yeah. and there's this great comedy. The 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 I, I will say each part works very well in and of itself, especially the bits with with Dwayne Johnson currently, or I guess future Dwayne Johnson. The political interview parts are extremely well written, very funny. They're co-starring Randall Park, who's this, uh, who was in One Division actually recently, mm-hmm. and uh, he he's does a brilliant comedic actor, and the the sort of interplay between the pair of them while you know, Johnson is running this fake presidential campaign (laughs) is very, very funny. And it's just a well-made, charming, because it's built on his charm and likability, which he just has in Mm. Buckets in Space. It's a very well-made and charming family sitcom. Is there any conflict in it in the sense because it doesn't sound like he had a particularly hard life or anything. So the conflict is that his father uh, who the first episode is actually attributed to because I think he died in 2020. His father was a bit of a kind of uh, uh, like he, he would big himself up and say he was going off and doing all these things when in reality he, he, he would talk himself up all the time like for, in the second episode for example he tells his son oh yeah bring your date to see me I'm, I'm wrestling it to this full crowd and they arrive and it's at a market. So his father was a bit of a dreamer who who always thought he would make it and maybe didn't quite make it into the top echelons mm, of, of, okay. of wrestling. And then I guess there, it's a bit of a like a you know an, a, a socially upward mobile story as well in that they move from Hawaii to to you know the, the contiguous United States and are, are are struggling to make ends meet in Philadelphia where his mother is working as a cleaner in the 1980s and he's doing the grift which is going around shops and stealing all his clothing. But it, it, hmm. it, so there's plenty of conflict. It's just yeah, it's just you know I found it honestly very very charming. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, the uh, uh, no. Yeah. Morris says there's a good movie on Prime called Dark Encounter. It's an alien abduction crime thriller movie. Very good. Worth a watch. Crikey. There's a lot in there. A alien <laughs> abduction would be enough. Uh, but there's also crime uh, uh, on top of that. My word. Right. We'll move on to our uh, third show of the, the show of uh, today. It is Sex Education season three now streaming on Netflix. Here's a clip. Ow! 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 ow. So, okay, this isn't working. Why don't we go to your house? How's this off limits? It's too risky. I get that you want this to be a secret, but it feels like you're embarrassed you can be seen near me. I'm a very private person, Otis. I admit you're embarrassed. Okay, fine, I'm embarrassed. I am hot and popular, and you are a badly dressed, sick man with a creepy moustache. You said you liked my moustache, and I was good at sex. You are good at sex, Otis. But that doesn't mean I want to be seen in public with you. Well... I don't want to be seen in public with someone who is mean and uses people for their good sex skills. I have more self-respect than that. We're done. There you go. That's uh, uh, sex education. Maybe actually because it seemed like a very big deal that was coming back uh, uh, this year. 
What's the original premise of this show, anyway? <laughs> so the original premise, season one, is that Asa Butterfield plays Otis Milburn, who is this sort of normal, geeky schoolboy whose mother, Gillian Anderson of Emmy-winning mm. fame, uh, is a sex therapist. And because of that, she has raised him in a very sort of sex-positive way and he is fluid in the... Fluent, rather, <laughs> in the yeah. language of, of sexual terminology. And he and a classmate, Maeve, uh, set up this sex clinic for their um, classmates in which they come to them when they have these problems that they're too embarrassed or too unaware of to uh, to solve and they charge them money to give them advice. And as we are now in the third season, uh, things have moved on obviously mm. you know, significantly since then. Sex Education is a very charming uh, show and I think it has an awful lot going for it. But I also can't say it's some classic that I, I feel I will ever sort of rewatch. I think it is a real sort of single serving enjoyable romp and then you kind of forget about it yeah. personally. Uh, when it works, it works extremely, extremely well. And what I will say, it is a huge ensemble cast that grows every, you know, every season they seem to add more characters to it. And that's sort of a, a, a blessing and a curse because the more they add, the less screen time every one kind of gets so yeah. the less development everyone gets but what I will say is it is so uniformly well cast and everybody in it is so game and good that it's very 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 enjoyable to watch it's also quite stylish in its own way in that I mean this is like it's set in a it's set in you know some fictional British town unknown where it's actually shot in Wales I think and it's it's filmed on a, a, the former campus of the University of Wales and uh, but the style is really like 80s 80s 70s American TV show like you, you'd be you know you might think you're flicking through an episode of WandaVision practically when you watch this because the houses are all decked out in like oranges and browns and naff 70s gear mm. and the students don't wear uniforms at least until this season um, and, and dress like they are walking around like East London or, or somewhere they yeah. are it is so meticulously styled in this lo-fi kind of way but it, but that's all part of the charm as well now this time around the, the sort of the big change this time is the school principal has lost his job and has now been replaced by Jemima Kirk uh, late of girls and soon to be in conversations with friends so she might actually be I think that's filming currently now in Ireland so she might be even listening mm. but I hope she isn't <laughs> it's not her fault it's actually actually just that the character doesn't... If you're listening, we don't agree with this. This <laughs> is just James. <laughs> the character just doesn't quite work. They have replaced this, you know, ter- this draconian, terrible Mr. Principal with this new principal who on first introduction is supposed to be cool and young, but then does a number of really like silly and just poorly thought through ways. The plot, it just doesn't quite work as she tries to get the school back under control. But really, you're not watching that this show for that. What you're watching it for is the silly camp comedy. And it is absolutely jam-packed with that. This is not something to watch with either your children or your parents, depending on your age group. Because it is, I mean, it opens with this, you know, I guess, three-minute tracking orgiastic scene in which you know the the romantic relationships of every single person in the town are revealed in a series of vignettes and it is extremely funny now it's also extremely forgettable because the advice it offers is good but it's also very superficial it rare, it barely scratches the surface with one exception i would say there's a storyline involving a character named amy She's played by Amy Lou Wood. In the third, in the second series, she has a I, which I won't go into because it'll be a bit of a spoiler. But she has a, something unpleasant happens to her on a bus, and it, this, what I really liked about this season was 
it dug in further into the reality of what might happen if that happens to you. Normally, a show would sort of superficially cover that and then just move on. Yeah. Whereas this this time, and I think partially because the actress went on to win a BAFTA for the role, they have made that a much more significant role than it than I think anybody anybody would have intended it to be right at the very beginning when they created that character. And that is where the show is at its best. When it gives one or two characters a chance to kind of really dig into into their their sexuality, their identity, whatever. Mm. The rest is superficial but fun. Yeah. Uh actually Chris on Twitter says surprise you didn't cover foundation which launches on Apple TV this Friday. It was filmed in Troy Studios in Limerick. No, right. No, I, I'm reading the book trying to finish it. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, so, yeah, he does his research, Chris. That's uh, that's why he's different uh, to everybody else. And that's, I think there's some other science fiction series that was filmed there as well, the, which escapes me. It was the Netflix one that was cancelled after one season. Yeah. But it looked great, I'll it say that. It looked great. Night Flyers. Night, night Stalk. Or, night something. Night, night something. Flyers, I think, yeah. maybe it was called. Yeah. Okay, well, hopefully that'll be really good. Uh, thanks again, uh, as ever. James Dempsey there. You are listening to The Morning... Uh, you're listening to The Morning Show. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on News Talk. We're going to take a break. After that, how much of a carbon footprint does your food make? Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again.